What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Put 30 on a Clock. This is Coach Phil, and as usual, we're going to get right to it. If you saw the title, you might have an idea, but let's steer this conversation in a different direction when it comes to selfishness. We all know basketball is a team game. We know that no one player can do it all by themselves. We know that. However, once it starts to get competitive and people are trying to climb the ranks, they're trying to get seen by scouts, they're trying to play for different organizations, whatever it is they got going on, it gets real selfish real quick. And I want you to think about it. When you're dealing with scorers, they're usually called ball hogs because when they get the ball, they ain't passing it. They're trying to demonstrate to whoever they're trying to impress that they can score the basketball. Shooters are kind of worse depending on how you look at it because at least scorers got the ball in their hands. You might be able to convince them to come off the rock a little bit. But shooters, they're letting the ball fly because they don't even have the ball in their hands like that. They do most of their work before they can catch a pass. They got to set that feet, set their feet, let it go. So with shooters, they're trying to get shots up so people can see that they can shoot the ball. Good luck getting the rock. Even dealing with people like 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 bigs who need to demonstrate that they're really good at rebounding. If you try to take a rebound from somebody whose main role is rebounding, they are going to let you know to not do that anymore because you are now interfering with the thing that makes them attractive to whoever they're trying to uh, entice or whoever they're trying to convince that they belong here or that they should go to another team. Whoever they're trying to show off to, you can't take food out of their mouth. Rebounds is the way they eat. Countless NBA players have said that every single game is an audition. There have been countless NBA players who said that about practice as well, especially the players who are not really established with like long-term contracts. You might have a uniform on. You might be getting minutes for the team that you play for. You might even have a trusted role, but you could get cut, waived, traded, bought out. Anything can happen that causes you to be removed from the team. So the minutes and the opportunities that you get during the game is literally an audition tape for all of the other teams and programs and whatever it is you're trying to get to. It's an audition tape and they get to watch you play. They get to see what you do when you're on the court. So just like my last episode, the conversation I had with Antoinette Bannister, where this was a cutthroat business, like she was she shared a story how she was in Mexico and they 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 flew her in and she's preseason, getting all the runs with the starters, right? And they, you know, hey, we love you, this, that, and the third. I think it was like the night before they go play a game, they have a team meet and then they tell her, yo, we sending you home. After gassing her up and telling her that she was going to be one of the starters, right? So it's kind of like, okay, if the business is that cutthroat and anything can happen to me, is it really that wrong to be selfish? Now, personally, I hate selfish players and I hate selfish basketball but it forced me to reevaluate when I started to get all of this new information from this perspective of they might do me like that. So I'm going to do them like that. From this perspective, the answer might be no, because if you don't look out for yourself to get an opportunity to play more where you're at or where you really want to go, if you don't, if you're not a little more selfish, then you don't really get a chance to show what you can do or prove why you belong here or, or or why you should get an opportunity at another place. But we already know what selfish players and selfish teams look like, right? It's bad and it's ugly basketball. Like you can literally see selfishness and you can see that that would be the reason why a talented team would lose to a much less talented team simply because the less talented team plays together. They rely on each other. They're not out there, you know, 
having a beauty pageant and saying, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me. It's like, there's a basketball game, but there's a lot of beauty pageant players out here. But when you see these kind of games, it's hard to watch and it's easy to identify why the team is losing or not having success, you know, or not reaching their potential. So really, it makes you question, where's the balance? And I truly believe the balance is found in the culture of the respectable organizations, the teams that won't tolerate individual selfishness to override the, the overall mission of the group. Right now, this sounds like coach talk. We over me, you know what I'm saying? The You got to put the team over the individual, right? And then there's that S word that everybody loves, sacrifice. There's the C word that they use sometimes when they say sacrifice too much. And that C word is compromise. How much are you willing to compromise? And how much of yourself are you willing to sacrifice for the betterment of the team? Now, this is that same team that I said a couple of minutes ago can cut you, wave you, buy you out, trade you. That's the same team. So as a hooper, not as a fan, as a hooper, it's like there's got to be some give and take because if I'm all about the team, the team can do me dirty. And we all watch, you know, ESPN, Fox Sports. We all have, you know, uh, apps on our phones to give us updates as to what's going on in professional sports. We all know that anybody could get traded at any time. And if you listen to my last episode, you know that anybody can get sent home at any time. So how bad is it really to be selfish? And maybe that selfish word shouldn't have the connotation that it has. Maybe it's okay that I keep my own self-interest at heart. Maybe it's okay that I do what's best for me because as an organization, you are going to do what's best for you. Where do we find the balance? And it's weird because we also know that nothing brings you individually more attention than winning. If you are part of a winning program on any level of basketball, your name will be known. Let me say that one more time. If you are part of a winning program on any level of basketball, any level, your name will be known. You will be attached to something that everyone wants to be a part of. So even if you're not Giannis Antetokounmpo, right? Even if you're not LeBron James, even if you're not the Joker, you could be the eighth man off the bench of a winning program. And there will be people who know you because you are a part of a winning. So You can attach your goals and be like, you know what? I can get what I'm looking for individually if I were to sacrifice or compromise X, Y, and Z for the betterment of the team because the betterment of the team is literally my own benefit. I can get something out of that. How do you balance that? That's on coach. Coach has to sell that message and actually live up to his or her end of the deal. That's on the organization, whether it be an athletic director, whether that be... um, I don't know, principal, (laughs) uh, team owner, executives at the professional level, whoever is above the head coach and and, and the people responsible for athletics in whatever level you're playing. That's on them uh, because you're asking people who are helping you win to give up something. And we've seen far too many times good people getting burned. I mean, one example we have right now, and it wasn't even a guy getting burned, but it's just hard to watch is watching Mikel Bridges adjust to his time in Brooklyn. He just recently, maybe a week or two now, 
has been traded from the Phoenix Suns to the Brooklyn Nets in exchange for Kevin Durant. There were many other people involved, but I look at Mikel Bridges because he is clearly hurt. He is He's still clearly hurt. That man is a Phoenix son. He enjoyed his time as a Phoenix son. He still refers to his teammates as his teammates from the Suns, even though he's on the uh, Brooklyn Nets now. And it's hard to watch because he's a good guy who got a raw deal that everybody understands. And even he understands. I mean, you traded for Kevin Durant. That's even something he said. But it just bothers me to see him like have to deal with Goodness gracious, I'm in Brooklyn now when he had such a good thing in Arizona. This is not talking about you know his life. He's still a millionaire. He's still in the NBA. But somebody who, for the purity and the love of the game, that man is hurt. And anybody who's paying attention can see that, right? That man is hurt. Would he be wrong to be a little more selfish with how he conducts his business, whether it be contract negotiations, any other endorsements? Somebody like Mikel Bridges is a good guy who gets burned. And nobody's mad at Phoenix. I'm not mad at Phoenix. You got Kevin Durant. There's some moves you have to make. But man, if that turned his heart sour, uh, I'm not sure you could really be mad at him. <laughs> you know? So you have good guys like that. You have people who are just here because it's a job. You have basketball players who are here just because they're good at this. They've excelled. Um and there's really no emotional attachment to this at all. They're just good at this. It's a job. Whether they win or lose makes them no different, no difference. And uh, that, that that that's pretty much it. And they just happen to find themselves to be amongst the best in the world, making millions of dollars, doing something that they're good at. Not something that they love, just something that they're good at, right? You have other people who are like... Uh, I'm here for the perks. I'm here for what basketball can bring to me. And some of them actually slip through the cracks and actually become, again, amongst the best in the world. But not because they love the sport. They're actually amongst the best in the world because they just love what comes with the game. The attention off of the court. The money that can be made off of the court. The money they make on the court. Like, where else are you going to make, you know, X amount of million dollars for working, quote unquote, it's a year round job, but working, quote unquote, you're clocking in from like September to April. How many, how many people are making millions of dollars for that? What? That's four plus that eight month, nine month span. I I don't know many people making that kind of money. Then you got the people who like love basketball. You know, they idolize the sport. It's almost their God. It's their sanctuary when things go wrong and they're having, you know, heartbreak, disappointment, you know, lose a loved one. They go to the basketball court to clear their mind. They go to the basketball court and it's responsible for the majority of the friendships they've made. Um, they, they, they go to basketball when they want to celebrate something. Everything they do is basketball. You have crazy people. I, I feel like I'm part of that, you know, group, but <laughs> you have those kind of people. And now, we all have these approaches that we believe are right. You got good people like Mikael Bridges. You got the guys who are just here because they're good at it, but they have no emotional attachment one way or another. You have the guys who love what comes with the game. You know what I'm saying? The attention mainly. You have the people who worship this thing. And it's like, how do you align all of these approaches? Because it's in these approaches where people are selfish. The person who, you know, comes in early and leaves late 
you know, the Mamba mentality, Kobe Bryant kind of a person. That person is selfish because they want everybody to operate like them. And you got to understand everybody doesn't operate like you. That's not fair. Not everybody's you. We're not even talking about talent. We're talking about approach. Not everybody cares about this as much as you do. And it is selfish of you to try to drag everybody to where you are. That's just the reality. The person who doesn't care about winning one way or another, it's like not everybody's like you. Some people actually are the Kobe Bryant's of the world. They actually care about winning. It's selfish of you to just like be here and be all nonchalant, like whatever, man, I'm just here because I'm good at this. You know, I don't feel one way or another. It's like that's selfish of you. It's selfish of the person who cares about the perks because their mind might not. I'm just going to be good enough so that way they don't get rid of me so I can keep getting the things that come off of the floor. That's selfish to everybody else because now you're just like the other guy. You're just like, whatever, I'm, I'm just kind of just here. All right. Everyone in one way or another is selfish because the selfishness doesn't always manifest in its actions. The selfish is manifest. The selfishness is manifested in your approach and your perspective. It's how you see the game and are you willing to sacrifice your perspective? Are you willing to sacrifice the way you see things for the greater good of the team? And the crazy thing is, you sacrifice for the better of the team, there's a really good chance that a lot of that's going to come back to you. The challenge is how do you get these selfish perspectives, right? Everybody thinks they're right. How do you get everybody to get on board? From my experience, the best way to do that is to tell everybody what they can get out of this. It's to tell everybody how their own selfish interests can be met by sacrificing a little bit of how they approach this game. You tell that person that loves, that eat, breathes basketball, that they have a chance to be a winner and remembered for their hard work. You tell the person who's just here because they're good at this, that there's, you know, a potential for a greater contract down the line, you know, a greater role with the team. You know, you'll be more of a you'll be more valuable to everybody looking at you. You tell that person who loves the off court life. It's like, hey, you think you're famous now, buddy? You think you're famous now? Just imagine how many people are going to know your name when we make a deep playoff run. Imagine if we actually won a championship and people saw you contributing. Do you have any idea how many doors that are open for you off the court? You literally have to appeal to everyone's selfish motivations. You have to appeal to what interests them. You have to identify everyone's carrot to incentivize them to sacrifice a little bit of their approach for the betterment of the team. Because once it gets competitive, everyone has an interest. Everyone has a goal. Everyone has something they're trying to accomplish. And you have to be able to reach those things and deliver. Now, if you make promises and you don't keep those promises, you're a dirtbag, right? But this is pro sports. This is competitive sports. Let me not say pro sports. This is competitive sports. Dirtbags are everywhere. We we watch the trade we watch a trade deadline and we open up Instagram and Twitter to see what Woj and Shams had to say and we see a lot of dirtbag activity. Like most recently, uh uh what's the name? Russell Westbrook is now picked up by the Clippers. I think they already played one game by the time this uh episode was recorded. They played one game and lost in double overtime to the Sacramento Kings. 
if you saw on Instagram how Russ is walking around Clippers practice, it's like, man, it's been a while since we've seen Russ that happy. It's because of how the Lakers did him. They did him so dirty uh, publicly, right? It's how the, the, the fan bases, I wouldn't say the fan base, but just how the media did him. Everything was his fault, even when he wasn't playing, even when he decided to be a six man. I'm not absolving him of his responsibilities. He's got some bad film out there. He's got some rough moments out there. That's fair. But the blame that they attached to him for his play was way, way, way unfair. He got way more blame than he deserved, and he was not responsible for their lack of success, the way that they heaped that on him. But when you see him in L.A., the Clippers, when you see him at Clippers practice, that man over there walking like a five-year-old, he's skipping through practice, he's cheesing and can't stop smiling. It can't be that the Clippers are that good of a team because they're not, at least not this season. It's because he doesn't have to carry the burden of being on the Lakers and constantly having his name dragged in the mud, and he didn't have to move his family. You know, being from L.A., you get to stay in L.A., you're playing for a better team, and you don't have to move your family. That's a lot to smile about. Uh, <laughs> but the way they did that, man, the way they did that, man, was crazy. All right. Uh, let me get back to the point, though. The point is, <laughs> the point is you have to be able to appeal to everyone's desires. You have to incentivize everyone. You have to know what makes people move. You've heard people say, oh, I got to know what makes my guy tick. Yeah, yeah you do. Because now that it's competitive, you are dealing with somebody who, no matter what their motivation, whether it's off the court, whether it's, hey, I'm just here to do a job, whether it's, I love basketball with all my heart, everybody's got a motivation. Everybody's got something that they're chasing. Everybody's after something. And it's not enough to just be like, one, two, three, team. There's no I in team. There's no, <laughs> That's not enough. You have to be able to appeal to them, especially the ones especially the ones that are going to contribute most to your opportunities to win. The last thing I'll leave you with, I've referenced this before, but I'm a fan of Phil Handy. He is one of the assistant coaches for the LA Lakers. He's been in the NBA for years. He has his own training program. You can follow him on Instagram. Dude, 94 feet a game, I believe, is um is his uh, Instagram handle, at 94 feet a game. I hope I got that right. But uh, I just I just love his content. I love the way he teaches. On his episode, when he was um, being interviewed on All the Smoke, he explained, you know, I'm not going to redo that. Y'all could go listen to that because that episode was fire. But uh, he explained, he, he asked Kobe, like, why do you act the way he act? And long story short, it's like Kobe treated his teammates badly or, you know, people said he was selfish and, you know, there's all these, you know, negatives, the dark side of the Mamba and all that. And it was only because he put in the work and other people didn't. He's breaking his back to be excellent at this. And other people are like walking into practice five minutes before and they're the first ones out. It's like the car is started before they go, uh, one, two, three Lakers. It's like the car is started already. Right. And he's like, I know you're not getting shots up. I, I know you're not putting the work in. I know you're not doing any extra. You're just here. I'm not giving you the rock. I'm not passing you the ball. And it brought clarity to me because I would watch him play games and be like, yo, you are shooting a fadeaway over three people. There's 
two open teammates, two of them, and you still took that shot. And I start looking at who those two open teammates were. And I'm like, I cannot believe that Kobe Bryant taking a fadeaway over three people is the best shot we can get on this possession. That was really the Lakers' best opportunity to get a bucket was Kobe shooting over three defenders because the other two people he could have kicked it to, they probably weren't going to make the shot. And hearing him explain that his teammates would come two minutes before practice and be the first ones gone, I'm like, well, who's really selfish here? Giving the ball to them unprepared for the moment That's actually going to affect winning in the wrong way. (laughs) He has a better chance of helping the Lakers win shooting over six hands (laughs) than those two guys have shooting wide open shots. It was an incredible eye-opening revelation for me. So with that being said, when you're talking about selfishness, there's a time, there's a place. But the truth is, for people like me who hate selfish basketball and hate selfish people, I got an opportunity to learn that we're all selfish in one way or another, and it's all about how we bring it together so that everybody can eat. Some people are just selfish and they don't care about everybody else. I can't really help y'all, but that's what I learned. This is Coach Phil. I appreciate y'all spending the time with me. You could have been anywhere else in the world but you're here with me and I appreciate that. Y'all be good.